0: Hello everybody, and welcome to this podcast special of A Coming of Age of a Cowgirl. I'm your host, Grace Bowman, I'm a Bachelor of Media and Communications student at UNE. In this podcast special, we hear from three young women from different backgrounds to talk about the life lessons learnt, challenges endured, and freedoms felt from their gap years working on cattle stations in Northern Australia. We hear from Ella Baines, who grew up on a cattle station 30 minutes outside of Toowoomba, and was always drawn to horses, cattle work and a whole lot of fun. I've known Ella since high school and I've watched her develop into such a strong, confident, capable young woman with a tough shell but a soft core. We hear from Anna Jarvis who was born and raised on that, her evergreen cattle and sheep property in north, north of Armidale in the locality called Black Mountain she was naturally a shy girl but anna's up north experience taught her to have courage and step outside her comfort zone something she will take into all aspects of her life i'm sure and our final interviewee is eilish francis who with one foot in the city and one foot in the country for most of her childhood she always longed to be part of the country scene when she overcame her imposter syndrome and decided to venture out west to cloncurry she, her limits were tested and she was faced with the realities of the unromanticised life that is up north. So with much further ado, I would like to introduce Ella. Well, welcome. Thank you for coming on to this podcast special. Now, can you please describe to me what was going through your head when you finished school and you decided to venture up to northern Queensland?
1: Um, so when I graduated high school, I never really had a uh, plan. I always thought that, um, uni was the only option because, you know, we were the COVID year, so we only had, we did we couldn't travel, we couldn't, um, go overseas and be an au pair or go overseas and travel, you know, like there was limited options. Um, so I wasn't really sure. I didn't really know. I thought uni was the only option. I applied to uni. Um, And that was my plan. I was going to go down south and do that thing, go to college. Um, And then I um, was invited to go out with some family friends um, and see their son up up north um, on a station near Mount Isa. And I didn't really know what um, that whole industry was um, and the jobs that you could get up there. I wasn't really... I wasn't... um, it wasn't made available to me to find that information out. I suppose. Um, anyway, I went up there and absolutely just fell in love as soon as I got up there. I thought it was amazing. I didn't realise that it was a it was a job, you know. Um, and then, sort of when that came to light for me, I sort of realised that um, that was something that I wanted to do, and it was an industry that I was interested in and I liked. Um, You know, my family's always been in it. It's always been a route for me. Um, So anyway, I went up there and loved it, obviously, and then came home and decided straight away, I was like, well, this is what I want to do. I want to have a gap year. I didn't actually know what uni course I wanted to do and um, I wasn't interested in it anyway, but I thought it was my only option. Um, So yeah, that was probably the background to me going up there. Um, And then I just applied um, to this station. I didn't apply to multiple, I just applied to one. Um, So, you know, I sort of put all my eggs in one basket and didn't even realise that I did that. I just sort of applied and, um, and, I mean, it helped that I knew the people, obviously, um, from going up there. So I applied to the same station that I went and visited. Um, And then, yeah, they just rang me in about December. Um, I remember where I was, I was skiing in Gundawindi and I got the call and she said, yeah, we'd just love to have you. And that was it. i never looked back after that. I didn't even think about uni after that. I just had my sights set and that was what I was gonna do, you know? That's wonderful. So can you tell us where and what station that was? So it's called Buckingham Downs. It's 200 k south of Mount Isa um, and about um, 250 k southwest of Cloncurry. Um, it's about a million-ish acres, just under a million acres. Um, yeah, it's in the desert, it's got a bit of Downs country, it's got it all really.
0: Lovely. So were you ever worried about what others were thinking of you going up there? Because I know a lot of your friends were just going to uni, like did you know anyone else going up there?
1: Uh, so when I went up, I, um, didn't actually know a soul. Um, you know, I had a lot of naivety around, um, The fact that i knew no one i I suppose like i sort of went in with my eyes open and i suppose because i started um i was i went up there in at the beginning of march so uh when i was going up there um sorry before i went up there um all my friends had gone to started uni and started college and i suppose i had a bit of um i was nervous because you know i thought that i was doing the wrong thing because they were all doing what they wanted and that was their path and I wasn't going down that path so it was you know I started doubting whether this was right or where this was going to take me but um yeah I suppose I was nervous definitely but um I don't know I I think I just did it and I just didn't really question it because I knew that uni was just something that I didn't really see in my future at that point in time yeah
0: yeah so was it easy to create friendships and like settle into that community straight away or did it take a bit of time um so at my
1: particular station i was the only girl for uh about a month um so i was with uh three four other boys blokes men we would say and my boss was a man um so i don't know i went from an all-girls school and not interacting with a lot of men um I mean, I've had an older brother, I have men in the family, but I never lived with them, I never worked with them, so it was different again in that that point of view. But, um, you know, making friends was quite easy. I'm quite an extroverted person, so I'm I'm just naturally was quite... It it came quite easy to me, I would say. Um, And then the social life up there is just... You assimilate into that so easily, Um, and it's quite easy if you've got your mates around you that you slowly create and then you know people in the same boat as you they want to make friends they don't know anyone so you kind of gather with each other and you do it and it was the best thing I loved it yeah
0: yeah wonderful and was there like a moment in time that you just stood there and you were like this is this is exactly what I want to be doing in this moment like was there a euphoric moment that you thought yeah this is it
1: um sort of I mean when I started it was um, hard, I won't lie, like, um, I was relearning a lot of things I had already known, um, and like riding a horse, riding a motorbike and stuff like that, just basic stuff that goes along with the work, um, but also I was deeper to that, I was learning how to make friends with people when I was the only one that I knew, I was, it was just me and that was it, you know, um, so, I mean, I was there for two years. So I I think after my second, my, after my first year, sort of at the end of that year, it was more like, okay, I know how to do this now, um, and I believe in myself. So this is actually what I want to do, um, and not necessarily that as a career, but the industry was sort of like, yeah, I really enjoy this, and I'm interested in it, and I want to, you know, pursue it in one way or another. Whether that's not particularly ringing as a job, but um, yeah, just the industry was probably more suited to me. Um, but yeah, probably not a definite moment in time, but it was just sort of an accumulation of, you know, working on myself that I was like, yeah, I really enjoy it and want to make it what it is, you know?
0: Yeah. Can you describe to me like what one of your, like your daily job was or like different things you had to do in the day? Like what was your kind of role?
1: Well, it, it changed, um, from my first and second year, obviously, as you can imagine, but. Um, the th- one of the things that I loved about the job, it was different every day, you know, like um, it, w- it was ever changing. I learnt one day I could be, you know, cleaning a house and wiping windows down or mowing a lawn or fixing a mower or silly jobs like that. Or the next day I'm mustering with a helicopter and, you know, on a horse or a motorbike and getting a crazy cow out of a bush, you know, like stuff like that. It just changed ever, every day. And that's what I loved about it. Um, but, yeah, you know, I it was the daily jobs were riding a motorbike, riding a horse and just being versatile was the daily job, you know, being able to be told, go and do this or go and do that and being able to say, yes, okay, sure, I can do that, you know, and just having the confidence and having your boss to have the confidence in you also to be able to send you on jobs and do things like that so yeah
0: yeah was there any moments that really
1: pushed your limits that you absolutely yeah. yeah all the time especially in my first year where i was so i was 17 for a lot of it you know like i moved out at 17 and i was there so i was so green i was so young you know like um but Particularly in my second year, um, having a bit more responsibility and having to um, teach people and lead people and also having harder jobs like handling foals and stuff like that. That was, like, a a lot harder, but I really enjoyed it. And I wouldn't necessarily say harder, sorry. I would just say challenging. Like, you know, it was testing skills I didn't even know I had. Um, And for your boss to think that you had those skills was, like... you know it helped so much um but yeah ch- it was definitely challenging um just learning but um when you when you love it it's so easy you know like it is what it is as you as you would know but yeah
0: can you speak to the social life of up north because i know with such a tight community there is kind of nothing like it yeah
1: um it's awesome you know like we you know we went a bit crazy. It was you know you let your hair down and it was awesome because no one knew and no one was gonna report it back to anyone and because if you were too too silly one night, no one was gonna no one was gonna say anything because they were probably just as silly as you were. Um, but the connections you make up there are just for life, you know you're you're gonna have friends forever up there. Um, you know, sometimes we did things that was too stupid and probably shouldn't have done, but you know you learn from it at the same time and You're in a space where if you make mistakes, it's okay. And you've got room to make mistakes up there because it's okay. And I mean, in a big city, it's a bit harder to make mistakes. You know, there's people looking at you and, you know, there's coppers right around the corner to tell you you're doing the wrong thing and stuff like that. So having a bit more room to move and, you know, blow your cobwebs out is such a good feeling.
0: Um, Especially after the COVID year. You guys didn't have any room to even socialise throughout isolation and then having that room to let some steam off without having the pressure of university and things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, some colleges
1: are saying, you know, some colleges have curfews and some are also like, if you don't keep up this grade, you can't be here. And that was just, if you got too drunk on a weekend, you weren't going to get sacked on Monday. You know what I mean? If you were there ready for work on Monday and every other day of the week, that's all they cared about. And of course they care about your well-being and whether you're, Okay, but you're only young once, and they completely got that. So, they wanted you to go out and have fun because you're not going to be a happy worker if you're sitting at home twiddling your thumbs when you're 17, 18, 19. So, and you can kind of, as you
0: were saying with the cops, like you develop your own moral compass, like you learn absolutely what's good and, and what's not off your own bat and your own experiences, not just what, what someone is, is telling you
1: by the book, you know, what is right and wrong by the book, which is so important at the same time, don't get me wrong. But Um, yeah, you kind of have to use your own head a lot more which is important because now I can see situations, I think before they even nearly happen I'm like, well this is, we're going down the wrong path here, let's change it up because I've either seen it or I've seen it about to happen in different circumstance Um, but yeah I was the youngest also for a lot of uh, my first year I was the baby so they would just take me out with them and I was shoulder by shoulder with all of the 19, 20 year old men and I loved it because they looked after me and I looked after them when I drove home on a Sunday so, you know, it's it's two different levels but yeah, it's awesome.
0: Do you think the lifestyle is a bit romanticised from what you saw on social media to what it actually was in real life? Oh, absolutely. Like,
1: even my station, we have a, um, an Instagram page, you know what I mean? Like. It so is. And you look at places like Grazy Her, even, I know it's sounds silly, but even like McLeod's Daughters, they, you know what I mean? It's so, it's a job where it looks like everyone can do it and it, it's so easy and it's, you know, you're going to see your friends every day and do that sort of whole thing. And, I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, um, I would say definitely, like, um, some parts of it is, but, um, But I I think it fails to show the gruelingness of it and the long days and how tired and hard work it is. Um, But at the same time, that's what gets girls there. And then they realise and they still love it. So I've never known someone that goes, I saw it on social media and it's just not what I thought it was going to be. So, But at, at the same time, it needs to be put out there. And that's one way that it's portrayed on social media and it's getting people there. I know that our social media for my station was, that was where most of our job applications were coming from and most of them were females. So, you know, that's a way that people, that the industry is reaching people and especially girls. Um, So that's such a good thing and it's so important. Um, But, you know, most things are romanticised on social media as well. So it's, you know, it's hard to say, but it, it definitely is. But um, it's still good because that's how it's getting most of its attraction, you know.
0: How do you think the role of women in the agricultural scene has changed? Like, do you think 20 years ago or or 30 years ago, women, like young women like yourself, would be welcome as a Jillaroo?
1: Oh, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say welcome. Uh, It would depend, I would say. Um, And, you know, I wasn't there 20, 30 years ago, so I wouldn't know. Um, But from what I've seen and what I've heard, I would say probably not. Um, and it's sort of, I think in the last few years, women have really just pushed their way in and really just knocked down the front door and said, no, we are capable and we are gonna do this because we want to. And why shouldn't we be able to? And we, if you speak to my boss, um, he, my old boss, I should say now, he would say, you can't have a team of just men. You can't, it doesn't work. Are they as organized, and especially if they're younger, They're not as organized. If you look at two 18 year old, a a woman and a male, the woman's gonna be more organized. It just is what it is. They haven't matured as fast as a woman. So they're gonna be more organized and just get stuff done a bit quicker. Um, And it's so evident. And you know, I'm just speaking stereotypically there because some people aren't like that. But um, majority, um, I would say that would be the case. And it was nice to have that backing up of, you know, we are just as good as you. Um, And I I mean, in my particular workplace, I wouldn't say it was really evident. You know, some days we would be cleaning the house and the boys would be at the shed. And, you know, Gabby, who was working with me, my best mate up there, we were the only two girls in my second year. And it would drive us bloody insane because why can't we? We are the same boy. Why couldn't we use a spanner and they can you know, that doesn't make sense to us. They might have had a bit of more experience, per se, but doesn't mean we can't, you know what I mean? Um, but when we're walking a mob of 800 bullocks, who's in the front of the mob? Well, the, we are. And the boys are on the tail. So there's those sort of, you know, it's like hard to pinpoint exactly what a female and a male job is because there isn't one. Um, but it's easy to slip back into those old mindsets of the girl can cook the dinner and the girl can... Clean the house and the boy can fix the dozer. Um, but then, when I say when we went to cattle work, it was we are all the same here. And um, some women are going to be better horse riders than men. And some men are going to be better motorbike riders than women. But finding where your uh, body and your mind are perfect at is where it is. And you know, you can't say, I'm a better horse rider because I'm a female no i'm actually just a better horse rider because i'm a better horse rider and it doesn't actually matter about my gender you know so it was like it was hard in that way because you could say that it was gender orientated some of our jobs or maybe it was just the fact that i was better at that job than you were you know maybe i was actually just better at cleaning the house than a boy would be or i was better at mowing the lawn than a boy would be um or he was better at fixing it over than i was you know It just, it was hard sometimes when you didn't get the opportunity to learn the different tasks just because somebody was better than you were, Um, which was hard to grasp sometimes, obviously. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, it is what it is. Um, But I wouldn't say it was sexist and I wouldn't say that it was unfair. Um, It was just who was better and who wasn't at the end of the day. And I hope that's that's similar to other places around where I was. And I think it was, but, you know it's just different
0: and can you pinpoint some of how these lessons that you did learn will inform the rest of your life oh uh, yeah definitely i mean
1: um just sticking up for yourself and saying no i can do that you know what i mean and it's like in my job now and um, having you know um a backbone and saying no hang on this isn't right and just because I'm a woman doesn't mean that I can't do that job. You know, I could actually do that better than you can, and it doesn't matter if I'm a female or a male. Um, It's really important. Um, Sticking up for yourself, I 100% think that's so important now. Um, But also, again, just being able to feel like you're capable is so important to me, Um, especially in my life now where I'm in a completely different um, part of the world and, you know, doing a completely different job that is not nearly as physical, but still knowing I can do this, it's okay. Um, I believe in myself to be able to complete the job and complete it well. Because you've
0: done all of that experience. It's great to come back down and know that you, like whatever life throws at you, you've done that, so you will be able to do Absolutely, this. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I've been in some sh- sticky situations, Um
1: you know, at work, in a, in the social scene. Um, but, you know, what? I would say that in Brisbane there's a few lesser major issues that will be thrown at me than what I've had thrown at me, so it's okay and I'll, I'll be able to do it, you know, so.
0: Wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Miss Banks. Thank you, you for Baines. having me. Of course. Hello, Anna. Welcome to this segment of the podcast so, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background, and maybe what prompted you to go up north?
2: Thank you for having me, Grace. Um, so, I've grown up around Armidale my whole life. I we I live on a property about thirty k's north of Armidale, which has um, sheep and cattle. And I've always really been into my horses and that sort of aspect of life. And I just decided that I wanted to go and try something else on. a deal with cattle on a bigger scale and um, it just really appealed to me the whole lifestyle up there and yeah I just decided to make the decision and head up.
0: Wonderful and was that a daunting experience did you have many other people you knew going up there or was it just a yeah I'm doing that?
2: Um, I knew a few people up there not to the station I went to so it was very terrifying heading up making you know like leaving home and what I was used to and going to something completely different Um, yeah it was really scary but it was honestly the best decision i've ever made
0: yeah wonderful and what did your parents think about the decision
2: they supported it i think mum was a little bit oh she's leaving but um they 100 percent supported it and said if that's something you want to do you've got to go and chase after it
0: yeah wonderful so can you tell us a bit about the station you were at and what maybe some of your daily tasks were and things like that
2: yeah so i went up to barclay downs which is owned by acc it's um, southwest of Isa on the territory queensland border uh, it's 2.4 million acre property, so it's very large. Um, we, you know, like a daily, you'd wake up at like 5, 5.30 and it could, every day was different. You'd be mustering one day in the yards the next day, lick running, fencing, um, doing stuff around the station and yeah, it was all really different, but it was so much fun.
0: Yeah, wonderful. So was it daunting to go into a new environment and meet new people and things like that. Was it easy to form a sense of community and friendship straight away, or did that take a bit of
2: time? It was terrifying. Um, It was terrifying leaving what I was so used to for the last like 18 years. Um, But everyone, as soon as I got up there, was so welcoming and yeah, it was just one big family, I guess you could say. But yeah, it was was definitely terrifying moving to a completely different place. Such a big area that I've never been to and didn't really know anyone. yeah good community
0: so was there any particular moments that maybe pushed you to your limits a bit or was something you weren't expecting and has that like come into your life now
2: yeah definitely one of my biggest things was m- moving up there um by myself obviously not knowing anyone was terrifying and wondering if i was going to fit in and all of that that was definitely one big um moments that pushed me to my limit but i knew i had to do it and if i didn't do it i'd you know Doing nothing at home really. Um, another big experience was I was two weeks in and I was riding this mare that I loved and I broke my leg off her, so I had to. Um, I ended up staying up there while I was in the cast and the moon boot and everything, and I pushed myself to stay. I could have gone home, but you know, it kind of felt a little bit useless because I couldn't really do anything. But I stood my ground and just kept going and just did what I could do, you know, I'd be in the yards on the computer or. At the end, I was in my moon boot running the race sort of thing. So you just have to keep, like, pushing yourself and...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself out of your comfort zone maybe a bit.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it was hard at the start, like, moving up there and meeting new people. And they kind of... It wasn't so much everyone else, but there was this one girl who kind of just made you feel pretty useless at the start um, until you had to prove yourself. So that was a bit tough. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, like, breaking my leg didn't help because I did feel useless and couldn't do anything. But once I got through that, it was fine and was a lot easier and friendlier.
0: Yeah, can you tell us a bit about those challenging experiences dealing with like different authorities or different superiors and how that you learnt through those experiences?
2: Yeah, definitely. It was very much like your first year, You're pretty naive to what you've got to do up there and you have to learn a lot of things. And at the start, they kind of treat you that way. You know, like they make you feel pretty worthless and useless and you can't do things by yourself until you prove yourself. Um, and there was one girl, our leading hand, she was pretty tough on that and, you know, just made you want to leave or you just didn't want to ever work with her. But once you kind of got to the point that you knew what you were doing, she stood back a bit. But, yeah, it's definitely a big, you know, you've got to work your way up the ranks to prove yourself and otherwise they just blow you off a bit. A big thing up there is learning how to deal with different types of people and how people will treat you, especially being a first year. you kind of a bit downgraded, I guess, um... You don't get treated as well as others until you prove yourself, I guess you could say. And there was a few times where one of our leading hands, um, and she's it's not even a male female, would make you feel worthless and um, just, you know, like you'd get screamed at, which is understandable. Like everyone gets screamed up up north and all of that sort of stuff. But just like little things, just bickering and saying stuff to you, you really got to learn how to deal with it and not let it get under your skin because when it gets under your skin up there, it's, you're not going to go anywhere. You need to kind of, you know, toughen up and deal with it. Just brush it off or sometimes it's even worth fighting back for what you say. And, you know, they'll realize that and then they get over it and they're like, oh, okay, I understand. Like I messed up here, not you sort of thing. So yeah, you definitely have to learn how to deal with people. And that's taught me a lot and taught me a lot about people and how to, um, work with them and that's actually i work at a pub now so that's also really helped me um understanding customers and how i can deal with them yeah, there was definitely a day where um there was actually four of us girls and then there was three of us girls in our leading hand anyway um it wasn't a good day for all of us we were we had a bit on and we were the only ones working because everyone else had the day off we went to the wiener yards and um wieners always you know, like to challenge us and all of that. Um, and we, there was me and another girl and the leading hand had to go to a yard to move some cows and calves. And um, there was one cow that was trying to carve and we realized that. So we stood back and kind of waited a bit. And then our leading hand, you know, like ushered us to come in. And so we started walking around slowly and it was windy and dusty. Couldn't see much, couldn't hear much whatever. And um, we walked around because she told us to come around to her and I think we moved a little bit too quickly or something and she absolutely lost it because then this cow tried to stand up while she was calving and um, obviously like we didn't see that at that point because she was right at the back of the herd. Anyway, we just got absolutely hammered for that even though she was the one who told us to come over and do all of that and then we kind of bit our tongue for a bit and then went back to the yards. Like to the crush area and something else had happened. And again, she just went off at us and revved us. And then um we had to stand up for ourselves because she was the one who said, no, like you need to come and do this. so we did that, but she got up us for doing that. So we had to, um you know, stand up for ourselves. And that kind of taught us, you can't just up there. Sometimes it's worth just biting your lip and not saying a thing, but there's other times when you need to say something because then they realize that they're the ones in the wrong and they can't always make you feel like that. And then, From doing that she kind of realised that we knew what we were doing and she kind of stood back and was like, Okay, like I'm sorry guys, I do know what you You guys do know what you're doing and um yeah, so they kinda test you to a point and sometimes you just have to tell them that you know what you're doing and it's like obviously you're not gonna know as much as them at this point in your time up there, but you do learn pretty quickly how to deal with people and yeah.
0: Cool. And can you tell me about any other moments or memories that might have tested you
2: yeah definitely um there was one weekend when we all had a weekend off and a group of us went to I believe it was sedan dip races and all of that which was so much fun and we came back the Sunday and met up with some of the boys two boys the ball runner and just another station hand in town um and then we I think we asked girls went to go and have lunch and they said right I'm we'll see you on the back at um, the station and we probably left about an hour I'd say an hour after them and like the, I was driving and the girls had both fallen asleep and I just saw this man like standing on the side of the road and I was a bit worried because a lot of the time the manager said if you like if you're not sure just keep driving um just in case like you just never know unless they're in serious danger anyway I was driving and I woke the girls up and I was like what do I do what do I do and they said keep driving and I was like no like I feel bad I can't just keep driving and
0: what was I, he doing? he was just
2: like standing on the side of the road like trying to wave us down yeah anyway I kind of like drove past him and I was like hang on woo." that's one of our like station hands well it was that was the ball runner anyway and then I like, obviously slammed my brakes on and stopped and had a look and then our station hand he was sitting on the side of the road like curled up kind of like shivering looked absolutely horrible and I looked ahead and that had a really bad car accident Anyway, and it was that point, like, we had no service whatsoever and we were an hour from town, an hour from the station. So halfway, um, I kind of was just, like, the boy said, just go back to the station, go back to the station. And I kind of just had to think, no, there's no point going back to the station because they're just going to send you straight back to the hospital with the state that they were currently in. Um, so, yeah, I had to make that split decision. One, to, like, make sure that the boy was alright and that he, um, was going to make it back to the station, back to the hospital and it was okay to drive him back there so I had to make that decision to see if he was stable enough to do that which um, I had to, I made the decision and it was a good decision to do because he ended up having to have surgery on his arm and yeah he wasn't in good shape and then we rang the like the manager of the station once we got into service and just said look this is what's happening we're not going to be home until late tonight and yeah it was, um, it was pretty eye-opening seeing such a pretty bad crash and when we drove back home we saw the car and it was absolutely totaled and yeah it was just lucky that we were the ones who were coming behind and that's another thing like you just never know what's going to happen out on those roads and you've just always always got to be careful and it could just be simple little things like loose gravel and you yeah but yeah that's definitely another big experience that i learned you know just have to think quick and yeah
0: absolutely yeah very eye do you think you would learnt from some of those things and now you can take it into your life now or are you still grappling with some of those hard times
2: some of them are still pretty tough with what like there was up there but um it's also helped me be a stronger person and realize like you've got to talk to people to get through it and you can't just bottle it up yourself because then it eats you um what were
0: some of those times if you don't mind me asking
2: Oh, just like dealing with people and making and making you feel worthless and, you know, if you stuff something up by accident then you just, you know, get yelled at. you just get yelled at and screamed yeah. at and get told that, yeah, you're useless, what's the point of you being up here sort of thing, but then once you've proved yourself, they kind of come back and go, oh, sorry, like, we understand someone else told you to do it that way, um... But yeah, and that sort of things like that. You get told from one person to do something one way and then you do it that way and then you get screamed at by someone else for doing it that way. So you have to not like put the other person, say, "Oh, they taught me how to do it that way." You kind of just have to go, "Okay, I'll evolve and learn your way and then I can change and find my own way to do the same, you get the same outcome." Sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. And how has that experience informed what you want to do with your career aspirations and things like that. where What's the next step now?
2: So I'm currently doing a double degree of ag and business at UNE. Um, if I'm totally honest with you, I don't actually know what I want to do 100% yet, but I would, um, I do love the whole life up there and how the operations run. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I go back anytime soon, but my dad also has an agricultural business where he's, um, trying to develop agriculture in third world countries overseas which i think is really interesting and he's hoping to export cattle and sheep live export cattle and sheep via plane to these like from australia to these third world countries so something like that would be pretty interesting um i reckon and my time up north i feel like i could you know apply that to what i'm doing now and just it just made me fall in love with agriculture before being up there
0: yeah wonderful and I think something like that where you're using not only like your Australian experience but you can help other people yeah, all across exactly. the world but and you might feel that you are capable now yeah. that you've proved yourself not to just yourself but to a lot of other people that you have those skills and you have that initiative as well
2: yeah definitely and the contacts that you make up there they'll you know one day down the track I could bring someone up and they'll be like oh yeah you worked up here you did that I remember you will help you out sort of thing. Yeah. So i hoping that
0: works out. So I think there's like a common theme of like when you go up there you are naive and yeah, a bit of an definitely. experience, but there is a big kind of thing of proving yourself yeah. to those other people and then in turn proving to yourself at the end when you come back.
2: That's what north is like. It's not all fairies and good times and all that. There is some really tough times that you have to deal with and mental health's a really big thing up there. Um you've got to look after that as well
0: yeah because i think by the sounds of it what it seems like is that up north it pushes you to your complete extremes like you'll either be experiencing total euphoria one moment in this isolating landscape and you're just by yourself and you've got this freedom and you know you've got all those really exciting heightened social times as well but then on the other scale of that you've got really tough tough experiences and I think with mental health like interesting you touched on that because in an agricultural in a rural country setting it is so it's just you don't talk about it it. or if you talk about it it's just like all right you'll be right let's go get you drunk but then I think like I've seen a lot of my friends come back down and they were dealing with really like emotional issues and they literally just came back addicted to smoking addicted to getting blackout drunk like it's not just let's have a few it's like let's have a few to not remember in the morning what we said and did
2: it's like a few like if you've had a really tough day at work and stuff i get coming back and having a couple beers but sometimes a lot of people would just come back and yeah what you said just get absolutely blacked out because they didn't want to deal with what they just had to deal with that day but then it comes back and you know you go out to places and you see the things that happened and it yeah Some things can just be honestly heartbreaking up there and that's what a lot of people don't talk about, which is sad because it's something that's so important and needs to be looked after. Did
0: you face any other particular struggles being in a mainly male-dominated industry or has it changed, do you think, in the last 20 years of that stereotype?
2: There were times where, you know, us girls out there on the station couldn't do things because we were girls, which was a little bit like daunting and stuff, but it got a lot better towards the end once we proved ourselves. But yeah, you definitely had to prove yourself and show that you could do it in such a male dominated industry. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely changed from 20 years ago even longer, because my mum and her two sisters really wanted to go up north. But my granddad always said, no, it's not a female dominated area. You won't get treated well. Like it's just not going to be a nice experience. But um, I was talking to my manager up there and it's, Yeah, even he said in the last 20, 30 years it's completely changed. There's a lot more girls up there at the moment than there are boys and that's because girls are more willing to work and um, learn new things and they have a lot more attention to detail compared to boys and they take care of, you know, the machinery and all that where boys just kind of are a bit rough and get the job done. But, yeah, it's definitely changed more to a female industry up there at the moment. Obviously there's still a lot of men and things, but, yeah. That's definitely a big thing I learned up there that you need to trust in yourself and you need to believe in yourself and definitely your gut. But that's also helped me a lot with what I do now. I know that I can do things because I've pushed myself to all of those limits before. I know it's not going to be an issue if I keep pushing myself. And you don't realise that until you've actually done it a fair few times. But, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. And would you recommend it to maybe your friends or... Are there young girls who are thinking of going up north 100%. as a
2: I wouldn't. I'd tell everyone that asked me, I'd tell them to go up there. If they're not sure what to do after school, go up north. It's just such an eye-opening experience. Builds your character, builds your confidence. You make so many memories and experiences that you'll never make unless you go up there. Yeah. Just Yeah, it was just incredible. My brother wishes he went and I rub it into him every day. Wonderful.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience, Anna, with me. It's wonderful to hear. Thank you for
2: having me.
0: So up next, we have our third and final cowgirl, Miss Eilish Francis. Now Eilish, can you tell me a bit about your journey and experience going up north and maybe what your motivation was?
3: I was really unhappy and upset my parents a fair bit when I said I wanted to go up north, but it was like for my own personal growth, I guess. Like going off my own. Cause I'd never lived away from home, I didn't go to college at uni. Um, probably because I was doing agribusiness, so I wanted to get the life experience and the hands on experience for my degree because I did go up on a cabin property. Yeah. And so you went up there to have a kind of like
0: almost like a rite of passage kind of thing, like to like give
2: yourself an opportunity
0: to grow. So you kind of went up there as a rite of passage, like to give yourself a place that facilitates your growth and everything like that. Is that kind of the case?
3: Yeah, and I think it's a big thing for people, like a lot of, not a lot of people from my school went up north because it was not a boarding school, it was in the middle of the city but a lot of the people I knew from the boarding schools, etc., around the place went up north. And I think the other thing is you do see over social media how much fun they're having. And you go, oh, like it's like a classic example of like, the grass is always greener on the other side. Like you see someone's social media and think their life is perfect and like, it's amazing. And it may actually not be, but you think it is. So that's exactly what you want to do. And I'm not saying I went up there, like, because everyone else was. Like, I was going for my own reasons. But I guess that's probably a factor of it. Like, you see your mates doing it. And you think, why am I stuck here in a classroom doing university work when I could be chasing cows and drinking all the time and, like, partying, which is what it looks like from... Yeah, from there, like from your point of view in terms of like looking at social media and et
0: cetera. So, by the sounds of it, it was a bit romanticized from your position. Can you tell me a bit about what elements were true and then what elements that maybe you had an idea of but that were very different?
3: Like the elements of how much, like in terms of how many social events was true, like there is, it has a better social or a yeah, probably a better social life than you would get in the middle of Brisbane or in the middle of Sydney, like... And that's really weird because it's in the middle of nowhere but there's more events and it's more of a community because everyone knows everyone kind of thing. And, um, but It definitely is a romanticised version because a lot of people see that side of it and then see, because people only put on social media what they want you to see. And so they'll post videos of them mustering or riding horses or camp drafting, and it's like, that's what you think it is all the time. But in reality, it's not. Like, there are days where you were doing the worst possible jobs you could think of. Like, I was sticking my hand down sewage pipes and like, um, <laughs> like, Cutting yourself on barbed wire fencing, and like on like days that are like 42 degrees, you're out in the middle of like a paddock with full like like full length shirt, like sleeve shirt, jeans, boots, or merils or whatever, and gloves, and like a neck scarf, and it's it's not pretty, like it's not a it's not as pretty as people paint the picture to be, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it, there's some days where you go, oh, how am I getting paid this much? Like, how how am I getting paid this much to do this kind of work? Like, I should be getting paid more. And then there's some days where you're like, how am I actually getting paid to do this? Like, this is, like, more fun than it, than it is work, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Do you reckon you could tell me about one of the most pinnacle moments you experienced up there, like, good or bad?
3: Like just the fact that I, I think I had a different experience to a lot of people though because I wasn't on a station that had a big crew. Mm-hmm. Um like there was a Gubby but I was the only station hand and mm-hmm. that Gubby was supposed to be a station hand at the same time but she ended up only being a gubby and then got fired. So for probably like five months of the year it was just me. Mm-hmm. And um I think it actually does get really isolating in terms of when you literally don't have anyone else to talk to. Like, the only other people I could talk to was like two kids or my bosses. So it's like a bit hard if you have a shit day at work. But even just to the point where like nothing was like really ever good enough, um, he was a very much a micromanager and. Like, there was one girl who had grown up on a station and came and worked two weeks at our station. And she knew exactly... Like, she knew what she was doing. But he just, like, screamed and screamed at her. And I think you've got to learn not to take it to heart, but when it's to the point where it's actually degrading, like, I don't know, I think it is still a very male-dominated industry. How Like, yes, there's... Females within there's a much larger population of females working up there. Like there are female headstockmen and crews now, but in terms of like a man always thinking that he can do something better, or females are inferior. Um, but like probably one day when I um. Like even just like stupid shit like I filled up like a petrol can with like there was petrol and diesel and usually diesel's in a yellow can but he used to just mix and match it so there was I would filled up a petrol can after I finished using it anyway he picked up a diesel like he told me to get a diesel one to fill up the generator Um, sorry petrol one and it actually had diesel in it but at that point I didn't know but I smelt it and I was like oh I don't know whether that because there is a clear difference and he looked at it poured it out and you can tell by the color of it which one it is and the smell and um he said no that's petrol what are you talking about so I went and poured it in and then he used the same tin and poured it in his bike he got like 10 meters and the bike stopped working and then I had to drain the generator but like I had brought that up to him and he had gotten it wrong, but it's your fault, do you get what I mean? Like, I had that took me a while to just get that you just cop it. You're just like, okay, well, like even if it isn't really your fault, it's just easier to cop that. And I think, like, yeah, I don't know. I just guess there was like a few situations like that, even with like other people that had come and worked, but, Eventually they just get over it, but it's like You never feel like you're actually good enough. I think especially as a chick because boys are assumed to know more than Like women in terms of cars and things like that, like being useless Um, Like that I was blind that I was Yeah, useless, blind, deaf. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, genuinely had, like... But he wasn't taking the piss But he was... Like, a couple times, he would take the piss. But when he was angry, he would actually, like, call me a useless cunt. Or, like, um... Oh, you're, you're, like, literally blind. Like, literally, go fucking get your eyes checked. Like, but wasn't actually kidding. Yeah. And it's, like... He actually, like, said all these things, and I was like, what the fuck's wrong with me? But, like, I think it also really does come back to the fact that I was the only person there. Like, there was no one else to, like, cop anything. So I did just cop it all. Mm It was, like, we got along so well, though. that's the thing, like, but there's a very fine line that you come across when you're actually at work in terms of being a boss and a mate, and sometimes he made that very hard sometimes I guess you do think like how do I justify getting treated like this if I'm only getting paid that much but I think you've got to look at the bigger picture and think like what am I actually getting out of this experience like you just kind of got to tough it out
0: so what did you get out of it were there some life lessons that you've still taken with you into your life today
3: I think I got a lot of life skills and probably like in terms of like even from a social aspect up there, I learnt to, like, not cop people's shit. I think before I went up there, I was probably a bit of a doormat and didn't really have my own opinion or was too scared to voice it. Um, but after being up there, I think I've come back and probably can stand on my own two feet. and um, I'm not afraid of... If something's wrong, I'm going to call it out. And if I don't like how someone's speaking to someone or to me i'm gonna say something um but also just like what hard work actually is like what hard manual labor and i think i have a much deeper appreciation for people that do manage and live and work up there because like even just the recent floods like how do you justify like like people have lost brand new cars like cattle horses and it's like how do you justify staying up there and having to rebuild everything I think and it's like like it's not easy it's pretty tough.
0: How did you find coming back down and readjusting into your normal life after that whole rite of passage?
3: Coming back down is a real culture shock I think um because you're used to this fast-paced type of work and also like a fast-paced social life and drinking all the time and smoking all the time. But when you come back down here, a lot of people look down upon smoking and drinking that amount. And you're also just not around the same people that actually understand what you're doing. And I think some people will try and take an interest in it, but and ask you questions, but you're like, oh, they don't get it, like, and I think it's very hard to come back and adjust from something like that, especially in terms of having, I mean, you'd be lucky not to go up there and not come back an alcoholic or addicted to smoking. And I think the word alcoholic scares a lot of people, but it really is like the sense of, Like having one drink and then not being able to stop, or like having drink, like wanting to drink after a day's work. Like, but having more than one, and that's like what you do up north. Like, it's drinking excessive amounts because there's nothing else to do up there. And I think there's just such and you like you can listen to multiple podcasts and they all talk about how in the bush, like there's such a big drinking culture. And I think it's probably because what else is there in town apart from a pub and a server? Like, there's really not much else. So that's what you do when you go to town. And then when you, like, when you knock off, like, what else do you... It's not like you can just go down to, like, the local shops or something, like... Or go see a movie or go or see movie. your exactly, or something. Exactly, like, all, all you've really got to do is drink and smoke. I don't know, I just think, like, the experience is different for everyone. Like, everyone takes, um, different life skills and even work skills away from it. But I think it's more, it's probably an environment more about learning about yourself and life than it really is about the actual cattle work you're doing. Like, yeah, you learn about that, but I think that that side of things left a bigger impact then
0: the cattle worked in. Thanks, Eilish. Well, that wraps this podcast special up. I think it's safe to say that going up north as a young woman in the 21st century is different for everyone. I think it's got a lot of different aspects to it, good and bad, but I think the main thing that we can get out of this podcast and hearing from these three different girls' perspectives is that it really does inform their life lessons and their growth. So I want to thank Ella, Anna, and Eilish for their time, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you.